Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. All right, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Sound good? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for the glory of creation. Thank you for the glory of this night, for the beauty that surrounds us, Lord. Thank you for assembling these amazing couples here, Jesus, these awesome parents who are desiring to hand on the truth, the goodness, and the beauty of the faith to their kids. Lord, use this night, bless this night, and uh, Jesus, speak through me. And we entrust this entire night to you, Mary. We entrust it all to your womb where all good things come. As we pray, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John Paul the Great. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, guys, this is uh, this is awesome. I'm, I'm excited to be with you tonight to just to like share from my heart. And uh, I was telling Michael and Mary Beth earlier that the um, a lot of this stuff. Uh, this was my idea, wasn't it? This topic. Yeah. Okay. Um, I could I remember a lot of this stuff that I want to share. Like I want I needed an opportunity, like a reason to get my thoughts together on some of this stuff that I've been thinking about for a while um, regarding theology, of the body and the family and parenting and just all of that like I've, I've a lot of it's been percolating for a while and it was good to just finally have an opportunity to put my thoughts together and I don't know I, I there's there's there we're probably, we might have more questions than answers by the end of the night which you know that's kind of good sometimes um, but uh, I hope that it just is a night that can just kind of generate some some good conversation points for you for you as a couple and um, this topic, I think, is one of the biggest and most pressing topics that um, I hear about in the whole theology of the body world. You know, so St. John Paul II, he didn't invent theology of the body. He rearticulated it for a modern audience. Um, it's there not only just like from the beginning in terms of church fathers. It's there. It's, it's the scriptures. It's the gospel, right? Um, but he's the one who gave it a modern, a modern flair, a modern voice. 1978, he's elected the papacy starts writing, starts, um, well, starts teaching it as the Wednesday general audiences. And it's then that he's it's like, it's, it's at that point, it's beginning to get injected into the bloodstream of the church. <laughs> and, uh, I feel like it's only just now really starting to take root, you know, um, not St. George Weigel, but George Weigel, who's a, who's a Vatican Easty, a guy who has his pulse on the Vatican and things happening in the church. He said that theology of the body is like a time bomb waiting, waiting to go off in the heart of the church sometime in the middle of the 21st century. Um, and I feel like, um, it's just starting to rumble. It's like really starting to take root. So anyway, this is the most, I think one of the most pressing questions for parents, like especially people like you guys who are disciples who want to do this parenting thing, right? How do we hand this on to our kids, right? Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that is one of the most pressing questions. Um, it's one of the most pressing concerns because, yeah, like I should have grabbed the copy, but like, how do you take theology of the body, this big old whopping text, and how do you communicate it to little guys and little girls? Like, how do, how do we do that? What's the way that we do that? Um, that's the question. Okay, so like real quick, when I, when I say theology of the body, we all have like a general sense of this. Like we've have, it's okay if we don't, like we do. Okay. All right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's John Paul II's answer to the question. What does it mean to be human? Right. That's his answer. What does it mean to be human? Um, that we come from God. We're made for God. That our complementarity as men and women is so significant. It's the sign that reveals who God is and who we are in relation to God. All those things. So I was first exposed to theology of the body as a high schooler, as a, as a teen at Life Teen at St. Mary's. So Father Damien, who was the parochial vicar at St. Mary's, he was the one who first started preaching it to us. 
So it was him and Jen Ricard uh, who were giving talks to the senior guys and girls apostleship groups. And that's where I really first was introduced to it. But then, so like graduated in 2007, that summer I didn't have a job, which was awesome. Um, all my friends had jobs. So I would go to mass in the morning, I would work out, then I would go home and I just would like, I would hang out in the pool. These are my goals. I had a stack of books that I was gonna read. Um, I was gonna teach myself how to play some guitar and I was gonna teach myself how to smoke cigars. That was my goal for senior year that, that graduated summer. I crushed all three. It was great. So I smoked so many black and milds. <laughs> That's what I was smoking. It wasn't like actual cigars. I go like the beat. Yeah. yeah. Oh my, yeah, it was so bad. I go to the BP in downtown. Anyway. All right. So, but I, I was, I was reading, I was reading theology of the body um, in depth. I was reading the John Paul II's text. And I remember being like, I have no idea what this is saying. But I knew it was significant. Like, if any of you have ever tried to read John Paul II's actual text, you're like, this is utterly opaque, right? Um, but I, I felt like it was, it was a mountain. Like, it, it, was, it was in front of me like this thing that was worthy of climbing, worthy of trying to understand. Um, so I really began trying to understand the people who understood him, right? So I'm reading Christopher West. I'm reading uh, Waldstein, who wrote the introduction to the Theology of the Body. So I'm, like, really studying it. It really became like a central part of my mind and my heart. Um, a huge part of my life. I mean, when you guys were probably in Life Teen, I probably gave Theology of the Body talks to you along the way at different retreats and things like that. Um, I wrote my master's thesis on Theology of the Body. And uh, I mean, it's just been such a central part of my, my mind. I, I was part of the team that wrote um, the, the helped develop the new curriculum standards for the diocese K through eight and then ninth through 12th grade theology of the body. Anyway, so like it's a huge part of my history and I have a lot of experience teaching it to adults and young adults and high schoolers and middle schoolers. Um, but I've never taught theology of the body to two year olds or three year olds, um, which is the question that we're talking about tonight, Right. That's what we're talking about tonight. What I love about this is the fact that you guys are, um, like, the, you're not thinking, well, let's just wait until they're older, <coughs> and then we'll teach them theology of the body. Like, you've, you've already figured out that, like, no, this is something that, that needs to be part of our, our family atmosphere. This <coughs> needs to be part of, like, the way that we live and exist as a family. Um, and that's right. That's absolutely right. But it's also unprecedented in the life of the church. Uh, you know, like, you are probably, like, the first generation of moms and dads who are, like, these converted disciples who understand the power of theology of the body and are now wanting to, like, like have it be the atmosphere of your family existence. Like, you're probably the first generation of that. Um, and that's pretty extraordinary. And it's unprecedented. It's like, we're figuring it out. Like, what does that look like, you know? So, um, it's awesome. It's really, really awesome that you're not waiting. Like, we're just waiting until they hit puberty to start teaching TOB. No, we want to do this now. And I think that's great. So, I mean, just to hit pause on this real quick, I think just the fact that you guys are here alone is itself extraordinary. Like the fact that you have this group, the fact that you are intentional, um, like that by itself, it's like, your kids are going to be fine. <laughs> like, let's just start with that. Like the fact that you are even like desiring to do it right is itself like, ah, uh, you are just so light years ahead of like, honestly, where probably most of our parents were, um, and where most parents are, you know? Um, yeah. At the same time though, it's, it's right into that desire to do it right can come this, this intense, um, accusation from the enemy or this like pummeling pressure from the enemy that says like we have to do this perfectly like we have to do this perfectly we have to spare our kids of all the wounds that we are healing from right now um like newsflash like there's just no way that that's gonna happen like your kids are already bearing wounds from you um if you don't know that, I'll be the first to tell you. There are, yeah, there you go, Tim. That's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> like, <"Bah!" laughs> 
That's a father wound right there, Theo. <laughs> right there. But it's true. It's true. Because the problem is you're not God. And every single one of your kids came into this world looking for God's perfect love. And you just aren't that. And you can't give that. But at the same time, like, all the wounds that the Lord allows to happen are, he allows to happen. Like, he, he, he knows it. Like, like, think about your stories and your journey. The wounds that you've in, in, um, incurred along the way, um, like, they, they have been, I'm sure they are, ingredient in your own growth and holiness and salvation. Like, this is how the Father draws us. You know, we realize, man, I didn't have a perfect mom and dad. Well, where is the perfect mother? Where is the perfect father? Oh, they're in heaven. Oh, I meant for heaven. That's right. Okay. So, like, yeah, you want to do it right, but at the same time, don't let the enemy pummel you with the accusation that you got to do it perfectly. So, how's that sound? We good so far? Okay. All right. So, how do we pass theology of the, ba- theology of the body on to your little ones? Um, because teaching adults and teens and middle schoolers like a class, like giving a talk at a retreat is one thing, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I have no idea. So. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, you are my, uh, my, my rats in this experiment. No. All right, so I have some thoughts um, I want to share, and... Uh, We'll have a little back and forth, and, like, it would be so great if we actually had conversation, which I don't think we're going to have a problem with. But, like, I'm going to throw out some thoughts, and then we'll have some conversation. We'll do that a few times, then I've got some practical thoughts for us, too. All right? Um, yeah. I also have some things about, like, some podcasts I want to suggest to you going out of here. So let's just start with this. That um, So you're all basically in the same season of life, right, parenting-wise, kid-wise. In the group, who has, like, the oldest of kids? Who would that be in, like, the friend group? Me here tonight would be us, I think. Okay. Of these people. Like, in, like, the wider circle, like, of people who... The wider circle we know. I think everyone's under the age of four. Yeah, see, like, that's that's perfect. That's amazing. So you're all, like, in, in the same season, same struggles, same concerns, same fears, all of that. Like, that's so awesome. So, like, one of the first things that... Like, the very fact that you have this group itself, like, that itself is how you can start handing theology of the body onto your kids. By, by letting your kids be surrounded by like-minded weirdos. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, the reality is the, the, the way that you're going to be inviting them to live their lives, the values that you're going to be inculcating in them, um, the way that you're going to be instructing them to view reality is just so different than how the world is instructing people to view reality. Um, and it, it, it's, it's fine for now that your kids, like, they don't stand out right now because they're little, right? They're not, they're not preoccupied with, like, do I look weird because we believe different things. But as time goes on, as they get older, as they become more self-conscious, more self-aware, having a larger context and network of, like, this community where, like, your kids, like, your teaching as mom and dad can be corroborated and backed up by, like, oh, like, the Kiwis also are totally, they, they believe the same thing, and the Burnham's the same thing, and the Dollar's the same thing, right? It's, it's like, it's, that's the idea, that, like, the, the fact that your kids are going to be able to look to peers and peers' parents and see, like, oh, okay, so, like, mom and dad aren't the crazy, antiquated, um, like, weirdos who are bent on being, you know, different than everybody. Like, oh, no, like, everyone we hang out with, they all see reality the way we see reality. So, like, we're, we're not the crazy ones. Like, we're weird, but weird together. Like, itself is, is the first thing that, that um, like, that's good. Like, so keep investing in this and keep this up. You know, that's the first thing. The second thought is this. Okay, so who has been to the Theology of the Body Institute? I know you guys have. Has anybody else been? Okay. All right. What's that? Is that the one in Denver? No, it's in, it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Or who's been to like a Theology of the Body class or talk? Like pretty much everybody, right? At some point. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Tim's giving father wounds to Theo right now. I punch him in the face. The, um, okay, so I've had this thought about the Theology of the Body Institute. I've worked with them a ton over the years. <clears throat> and um, here's the thing that I, I, I think about them, that ideally they should be working themselves out of existence. That should be one of their organizational goals, <laughs> which is... I, yeah, I've not told them this, but like, ideally you would not exist. Ideally you would not exist. So many, so many people, probably so many of us come to theology body later in life. Like as teens, as adults, as young adults, I mean, like you have folks who are living their life, um, and they're buying into the lies of the culture, they're buying into the ways of the culture, um, teaches us about our humanity and it leads down a very destructive path, right? A path of promiscuity, a path of addiction, pornography, masturbation, hookup culture. Um, I mean, in our day right now, you got people who have crazy, um, who are walking a crazy path of, you know, transgenderism. I have the sex change surgery. Um, and they come to this point where they realize, oh, this is not delivering on the promise. This is not actually working. And maybe at that point, theology of the body enters their world or they become, they start seeking after answers or after the truth and they discover this teaching and lights click on and they start like hungering for it and they discover it later in life and they're dealing with like, it becomes this healing journey. Theology of the body, the instruction is coupled with healing, right? I'm coming to understand what went wrong. What was I looking for when I was diving into all these dumpsters, right? Maybe these people start going on they go to an institute course, right? Or they go to a TOBCLE event. I mean, the TOBCLE, they just had a, a healing retreat, right? And um, so that's where people typically come to this stuff. Or they listen to Slaking Thirst, anybody? Okay. Uh, and they hear it that way, um, something along those lines. So in other words, folks ex are exposed to theology of the body first by putting themselves in a position, like a lecture, a talk, to hear content delivered, right? To listen to the teaching delivered to their intellect. That's why the first course at the TOB Institute is called the head and heart immersion, right? Because it's trying to get the information from your head to your heart. That's the idea. This is how this works for most people. That's probably how this has worked for many of us here, right? Um, we hear the content and then that content gets integrated into our life. But, and this is a huge but, um, this is like St. John Paul II, when he dreamt of theology of the body, he envisioned like the natural habitat for the transmission of theology of the body. He did not envision it being the classroom. He envisioned it being the family room, right? The home, the hearth, the, the, the dining room table, um, just like the natural habitat for learning a language is not the classroom, it's a home. It's the atmosphere of the home. Like you are teaching your kids to speak English by not giving them English classes, right? You're teaching them to speak English by speaking English around them, by letting them absorb it, right? That's how this works. TOB is meant to be taught in the same way. It is the language of being authentically human. It's the language of authentically seeing creation as God intended us to see it like perceiving my humanity and your humanity as God intended me to see it seeing the body and sexuality as God intended me to see it seeing creation as God intended me to see it like that's that's the like that's the paradigm shift here like if you don't get anything else out of this tonight I, I really want us to try and get that paradigm shift that you're not teaching your kids a content Right? Like any more than you're teaching your kids grammar or syntax. You're just teaching them how to speak. Like theology of the body is you're teaching them how to be human. You're teaching them how to be human. You're modeling for them a way of being, a way of seeing. A, like, and that's such a huge difference. If we can get that mental shift, it's not about imparting a content. It's about modeling a way of being, a way of seeing, a way of valuing things. And just like English, yeah, there's like, you can take specialized classes, but like none of us needed to take specialized classes to learn how to speak English. There can be specialized classes of theology of the body, diving into the content, the nuance, 
but it's not meant to be a, a specialized content. It's the language of being human. Like in your home, you're, create, you're meant to be creating an atmosphere. And these are some of the, the main things I want to get across. An atmosphere of awe and wonder. Okay? Awe and wonder at creation. Like, you want to talk about handing on theology of the body. It's about instilling in your kids an absolute awe and wonder at creation. So like Pope Paul VI, who wrote Humanae Vitae, which, as many of you know, was the encyclical that upheld the church's teaching against contraception. Like, Pope Paul VI's like, main argument against contraception is basically an argument for, for reverence towards the order of the body. Like, he, he says, like, you would never come across, like, there's something disordered about someone who comes across a beautiful stream flowing through the woods, like a beautiful brook, beautiful nature and someone who has an impulse to say i want to damage this or i want to interfere this interfere with this so like what no what you do is you you behold it with reverence like there's something so magnificently beautiful in front of you you just you kind of step back and say i don't want to mess with this that's pope paul the sixth primary argument against contraception that like there is a reverence that's owed to the body he says we're not to mess with that. Like, so to re, to instill a awe and wonder, a reverence before the way that God has made things. Like that is, that's one of the foundational principles. And it's hard to do that living in a city. You got this, Micah. I got it. <laughs> He's the man. He's the manliest man. <laughs> This is one of the things that I've, I've realized about, <clears throat> I guess, being human, that um, from my first assignment in Cleveland Heights to my new assignment in Wadsworth, that Cleveland Heights, uh, you're sort of surrounded by, like, stuff that we've made, right? Buildings, stone, glass. Out in Wadsworth, it's rural, it's the country, you're surrounded by nature, like the air is clear, you see the stars, you know, it's hard to inspire awe and reverence at creation when you're not surrounded by creation. So as much as you can, get your kids out in creation to fill their hearts and minds with awe and wonder. Just fill them with awe and wonder. Like, what does that mean to you? Discuss that as a, as a couple. Fill, we want to fill our kids with awe and wonder. The first question to ask there is what fills you with awe and wonder? What stills your heart? What makes your heart burn? Like, is it sunrises? Is it sunsets? Is it trees? Is it rivers? Is it meadows? Is it flowers? Is it music? But like, what the heck is it that makes your heart burn with awe and wonder? Whatever that is, I mean, you got to know that for yourself if you're going to give that to your kids. So awe and wonder, and especially awe and wonder in reference to our bodies, like, this matters about how you talk about your body, how you think about your body, how you dress your bodies. But awe and wonder and reverence towards our bodies. And, I mean, like, I probably don't have to tell this to you guys, but, like, if you want to teach your kids theology of the body, keep having kids. Like, the laboratory of many kids will itself be the greatest school to teach them the difference between men and women, boys and girls, bodies, how boys operate, how girls operate, right? Like this is part of why our world, our culture is in such a weird place that it's in right now because so many people grew up with so few siblings and they didn't come to understand like what a girl is because they didn't grow up with sisters. They didn't come to understand what a boy is because they didn't grow up with brothers or didn't grow up living anywhere near my cousins. So like I never get to I never got to know what a girl is, how girls operate, how what boys are, how boys operate. Because they're different. Yeah, they're they're different. They're different, right? Yeah, scandalous. It's scandalous to say it, but it's true. They're different. I think about my friends Mark and Lauren Laboda. They've got seven kids. And uh like the Laboda family laboratory where like the, all the, like the boys and girls, they like, they all have a very clear awareness of the difference between boys and girls. Because why? 
because all these siblings kept coming along and like there's Frank streaking through the family room and and like he's got something that the sisters don't have and here comes Clara and she's streaking through the family room she doesn't want to wear pants and she doesn't have something that Frank has you know like it's it's like built into the family itself is is the is the school that's teaching them oh there's a difference oh this matters the body matters all these things how you speak about your bodies how you speak about your bodies and and especially this is especially true for you moms. Um, there's a particular demon that attacks your, your bodiliness, your humanity, your femininity, especially postpartum, especially postpartum. Um, there can be a real hatred of your body. Um, and you really need to wrestle with that demon because that same body that you, that you struggle with looking in the mirror now is the same body that was unbelievable in its ability to give life to create freaking human life. Like, you made humans. Like, that grew in you. Right there. Unbelievable. From basically nothing to that. Like, your body's amazing. Your bodies are amazing as women. And the demon that, like, attacks that in the freaking mirror, that demon has to be dealt with because, like, if you don't deal with it, it's going to come out of you sideways and secretly and subtly into the hearts, especially of your daughters, how they look at their bodies, how they understand their bodies, right? You have to wrestle with that demon. So let's just pause right now and just a little bit that I just shared. Let's just chew on some of that. Get your thoughts on, uh, on, on some of those things. Like this wonder and awe is like going on a hike together or like we were talking about like the whole way of beauty, right? Yes. Like just yeah. seeing things like in nature, in our days and like, looking at it and wondering like why was it designed this way like what is the significance behind these things um like it can be a simple thing but that can point them to to a transcendent thing um if we teach them to look at it in a different way which is cool yeah they will model they will copy what you model right Mm -hmm. um yeah, if if you if you consistently walk by the most beautiful things, or keep if you drive by the most beautiful things that God makes, um, your kids will learn to ignore the most beautiful things that God makes. But if you if like if you get in the habit as a family, you're driving down the road like, and you like the sun is setting over a field, and you're just like, we gotta stop and look at this, and you pull to pull the car over. And just say, Let's, we're just going to look at this for a few minutes, right? Like, if you teach your kids to see what we're meant to see, if you teach your kids to see beauty, like, they'll see it. You have to model that. You have to model that. So, like, it should be clear up to this point that, like, in this paradigm shift that it's not about delivering content. It's about, like, like, like we're saying, it's about creating an atmosphere, creating culture, um, modeling it in in um as a whole way of being in your home you just got to get it out of your head that we're we're trying to teach content no we're trying to model a way of being human the authentic way of being human um so like to your point caitlin that like it's not if it's not clear to this point it is not about a talk um like it the fact that like it's from the devil that this idea of like the talk got into our culture it's never it was never meant to be a talk like can you think of a more significant thing that your kids need to learn (laughs) and like then just say like well i'm just gonna give it as a talk like you freaking kidding me like you probably would talk to them more about like like using scissors than about sex. Yeah, so it's it's clearly like it's not a talk. It's a million little talks. It's a million little comments. It's a million little subtleties that your kids will be picking up along the way um, that they will have absorbed. I mean, it's like, I mean, from <coughs> from like going to the zoo and seeing the new baby pandas or the ba- like. Where did those come from? Oh, they came from the mommy's. They came from the mommy's body, you know. Like, think like, oh, babies come from mommy's bodies. Okay, got it. All right, like, um, 
Like in the fall, seeds are falling from trees. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Like seeds fall down and they go into the earth and they come up and they create new life. You need to have the seed to create new life. I mean, a million subtleties, a million little conversations along the way that your kids are absorbing. And like, this doesn't begin at some magical age, right? You're asking about like, when do we start doing this? Is it too early to start doing this? You know, the church actually has a document on this. And the church does tell you there is an, there is an age that the church says that education on the nature of sexuality should begin. When you, you want to take a guess on when you think the church says? When they're born? Who else? Three. Three? Eight days. <laughs> Seven? Yeah. You two are the closest. Yeah, church says at the point of conception is when education starts. Think about this. Think about this. Yeah. <laughs> Think about this, that the, I mean, doctors, doctors, scientists, nurses, I mean, the, the medical professional, they know now um, how much education, how much information is being transmitted to the child in utero, right? Like the child is being prepared in utero by mom and dad, especially mom, for the kind of world I'm entering into, right? So, you know, they have all these amazing studies about kids who are conceived and carried through brought to term, you know, during they, their mom was pregnant in the gulag in Siberia. So she was incredibly calorie deficient, brutal external, external conditions. The mom's body is telling the baby, is preparing the baby, this is the kind of world you're coming into. It's a very calorie deficient world. These babies come into the world, like, with this sort of, um, with all these sorts of interesting I don't know, diseases or, but just like different genetic proclivities to like, they've been prepared for this kind of world. Right. Um, I have a friend who, uh, him and his wife, they have four kids that were adopted at birth. Right. So baby's born and put into mom's arms. They didn't spend a day, a second in an orphanage. And all four of these babies, all four of these kids, because of the environment, because of the, the world that their mothers were in for those nine months that they were carrying them, all four of these kids have extreme emotional problems still. Like, these parents are amazing. Two of their four, their moms were in abortion clinics preparing to get rid of these two babies. One mom was actually on the table, and she had a change of mind before they started the procedure. So, like, these, these kids had breathed into them in utero this profound rejection wound. Like, it's real stuff, right? So, like, from the moment that you find out you're pregnant... That, that, that celebration, that welcoming, like you are welcome here, right? You're already telling the kid you are a gift. We receive you as a gift, right? And like your job as moms and dads is to like turn this naturally selfish thing, right? A baby, every baby's naturally totally selfish. It's all about them into a selfless, self-giving gift. Like you are a gift. Now I have to teach you how to be a gift, right? So this whole process, this whole education, it doesn't begin at two and a half. It doesn't begin at seven. It doesn't begin at eight days. It's very weird. Eight days. Is that Ah, yes. Yeah, you might be wondering why we did that to you there. Um, <laughs> this part of your body is going to be pretty significant. Let's have a talk. So this is where the church's vision is, that it's, it's, uh, it's right from the beginning. But Olivia, this kind of gets to what you were talking about. Like, like when it comes to answering those more specific questions that your kids might ask, right? So like you're, you're, uh, you're, changing, you're changing your daughter's diaper and your older son asks, like, where's her penis? And you're like, okay, you are three. How do we <laughs> answer? That? Yeah, okay. See, okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect example. Like how to answer those specific questions, right? Or like mommy's having another baby. Uh, where is it? Oh, it's, it's, in her, it's in her belly. First of all, let's just stop saying belly because we talk about food going in the belly, all right? Okay, babies aren't in the belly. Yeah, it's very confusing. So the baby's where? The baby's in mommy's womb. Okay, how to get there? Okay, um, 
let's put on Paw Patrol. You know, like, let's move on. You have to be, you have to be ready with age-appropriate answers to engage those conversations, those topics. But for so many parents, for so many parents, that is hard and that is scary. Like, the fear that you're going to say too much too early Um, The fear that you're going to say the wrong thing. You might ruin their innocence. You might implant sexually deviant ideas in their mind. Turn them into a pervert. Mm -hmm. It's the fear. It's the fear of parents, right? It's the fear. The fear that you're going to plant ideas. Going to give them images and questions, right? All right, so let's let's just, again, pause. And let's just talk about, like, what are those fears or concerns you have about that? Right. Yeah, but it feels different. It sure does. Yeah, it feels different. So but let, you're right. let's go right into that because, like, okay, it feels different. It feels different. In, in terms of practicals, okay, there's nothing more practical and pressing for your kids than for you to go on this journey of, of healing yourself, mm-hmm. okay? Because you are all bearers of a sexual formation, a narrative of sexuality that was breathed into you as a little one, as a kid. And you talked about, like, it wasn't even talked about. It was off limits. It was taboo, right? Um, that, like, not putting you on the spot, but, like, that whole, like, that is so much bigger, like, a formation piece in your heart than you probably even realize. Or, like, the fact that, like, it was a talk, Right, and it was probably filled with awkwardness and confusion and shame and like, ah, right. Um, you you have you have to go on the journey of healing yourself in this regard, you know. And all, all you go to St. Ba- not all of you, but most of you go to St. Basil's. No, some no. some of you go to St. Basil's. Yes, go to Saint Luke. Okay, okay. So you guys go to St. Basil's. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just gonna I was just gonna to uh, uh, celebrate Father Ryan Mann here real quick. So he, he is, I think, in our diocese, one of the most absolute, he's one of the best priests in the diocese, hands down. Um, and his, his, his gift is um, helping people find the language to navigate the story of their hearts. Okay, so I think a sign of real spiritual maturity is being able to tell your story, like the story of your heart, which is both filled with wheat and weeds, pain and glory, shame and um, majesty, you know? Um, Do you know the mountain peaks of your story of like when lies entered in, when wounds entered in? Can you tell the story of your own sexual formation and sexual brokenness? Like you have to go on this journey. You have to confront and challenge these lies because the, the truth about sex is it's glorious. It's not just holy. It's like holy, 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 right? It's the holiest thing God has made. And until our hearts are in full agreement with that, like we're not yet redeemed in that area. So like where are the points of your own woundedness, brokenness? Um, Like to ask the question, why is that awkward for me to say this? Like, to, to even say vagina, why is that so awkward for me? Why is it so awkward for me to say penis? Why is that so like, I can't talk about that. Why do I feel way more comfortable coming up with all of these fake, funny, goofy names, right? I mean, how many fake, funny, goofy names do you have for your kids' other body parts? Like none. But this area, fake, funny, goofy names, right? So at St. Basil's coming up this, I think it's this year, the Healing the Whole Person, retreat. So Dr. Bob Schutz is going to be putting on a retreat at St. Basil's and like, go to it. Just, yeah, yeah, you go to it, go to it. February, February 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Yeah. So, so again, practically speaking, you want to pull out your phones. I'm going to recommend two podcasts. If you don't already listen to these two podcasts, they are absolutely amazing in, in the way that they just help generate a, just uh, give language to this whole like journey of healing. The first is restore the glory. Uh, it's with my buddy Jake Kim and Dr. Bob Schutz. It's absolutely amazing. They have these series that they'll go through. Um, man, are they good. 
So Restore the Glory is the first one. And the other one is called The Place We Find Ourselves with Adam Young. Adam Young is from the Allender Center. Do you know Adam Young? I love You know I that podcast? Listen, I think Anna Schaefer told yeah. me about it. Yeah. Is he Catholic? I process. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing. It was, yeah, he's, he's not, but... The one on childhood trauma was intense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it like, the second episode, he goes through the six fundamental needs of a child. Okay, right? I was I was on 271 and I almost got a car accident because I was crying so damn hard. Like it it hit me so hard. Um, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, so powerful. But yeah, like on on his podcast in particular, they have a part one and part two an episode about talking to your kids about sex, which just you know as a follow up from this conversation, I totally recommend you guys check it. I think it's episodes 101 and 102 or 100 and 101, something like that. Um, excellent. You just, you just, you have to deal with your junk. You just have to, because the re like it will, if you don't deal with it, it's going to come out sideways. Like your kids are designed mm -hmm. by God to absorb all of the nonverbals that you are communicating. Right. So like all of the awkwardness, nervousness that you are, that you still bear within you because you have not dealt with your story. Like, if you're talking about sex, they're going to figure out, they're going to absorb right away. Oh my gosh, this is something bad. I got to figure out why this is bad. Mom thinks it's bad. I don't know why this is bad. Okay, it's just bad. Like if you're, if you're not, if you're not dealing with your own integration, like they're, they're going to reconcile it by just deciding, oh, this is bad and off limits. I shouldn't talk about it. Right. You have to go on the journey and deal with your stuff. You have to deal with your stuff. Um, another practical point. I'm in the practical point section. Okay, mm -hmm. practical point. Um, and I've already kind of mentioned this, but you, you, have to, you have to use the proper words for all the body parts, right? Proper words for all the body parts. Here's, here's, a here's a very unfortunate but very important practical reason why that's the case. In a lot of the um, <clears throat> child sex crime cases that have come up in the last decade or so, part of the reason why they're unable to prosecute the offenders is because the child is unable to accurately identify the body part that was engaged by the, by the perpetrator. Because they'll say things like, um, he touched my wee-wee. Well, what's a wee-wee? What's a right? Defense attorneys just, they just twist that to their own advantage, right? Please, Lord, let this never be an issue you have to deal with. But you have to be able to, your kids have to be able to name their body parts properly, right? That's just from this awful negative reason why. Um, but like, so, so I teach theology of the body to the, to the kids at my school, especially the eighth graders. And um, right around Thanksgiving, we get to the part in the Genesis story where we're talking about the creation of man and woman. And we talk through the complementarity, you know, Adam is made, he first, he's put in the deep sleep, he wakes up because God forms and fashions the bride and he brings her to the man, he brings her to him. And he sees her. Remember, she's naked and she's not wearing anything. And like, okay, so at this point, the kids are getting like, oh, God, like, where is this going? Like, okay, it's like, I'm like, what does he notice? And someone would be like, she's different. Okay, what's different? She's got longer hair. Never fails, never fails. And then I always just push them over the edge. I'm like, where? Right? They're like, oh, my God. Like, okay, and then, and then <laughs> this past year, there was one girl who goes, <clears throat> like, what else does she know? What else does he know? She's got different bits. <laughs> okay, what are, the, what are they called? They're like, we're not going to say it. I'm like, all right, let's start with the easy ones. She has breasts. They're like, oh, my gosh. Okay, she's got breasts. That's right, she's got breasts. Okay, but she has some other business going on that's different. They're like, we are not going to say it. I'm like, guys, we are all going to say it. Um, like, then what I usually do is I'll go over to the wall and I'll like unplug a plug from the wall and be like, guys, get this. Do you know what they call this end of the plug? They're like, what? Like, they call this the male end of the plug? Like, why the heck would they, what is like male about this? I'm like, and do you know what they call that part of the socket? They call that the female end. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I'm like, okay, so we're all going to say penis. On the count of five, okay? Like, I don't care if you shout it, if you whisper it, but we're all going to say penis. 
So one year, okay, get this. It was it was my birthday, the day that we happened to be doing this lesson. I met I'm at Queen of Saints. So I'm counting down, like, all right, I'm gonna count down from five, and we're all gonna shout this together. So I'm like, all right, five, four. And as I get to three, the door of the classroom opens. And I see the third grade teacher walking into the classroom. She's escorting the entire third grade class into the classroom to sing me happy birthday. I'm like, and I see it out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, three, two, no! I like, stop it all. And like, the kid, it was like this near disaster. There's just one kid who was like, ping. And like, all the eighth graders and me, like, we are dying laughing. All these third graders are like, happy birthday. Like, there's always panic, right? It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. It was unbelievable. I felt like my guardian angel was like asleep and drunk at the air, like the air traffic control. But, yeah, it's like he'll be fine. He wakes up. He's like, oh shit! It's like near disaster, right? So we get through. We get through them shouting penis. I'm like, all right, now guys, all right, we're gonna say we're gonna say vagina together. We're gonna do this, and then we do. We get through it. We get through it, and like by the end of the year, they're just like effortlessly. Penis, vagina, sperm, semen, like, it's amazing the development that happens. But that first, there's just nothing like that first time where they're like freaking out, freaking out. They have to learn the proper names of these body parts. They're learning all the names of their body parts at this age anyway, right? Where's your nose? Where's your belly button? Where's your ear? Right? Like, changing the diaper. Don't touch your penis. Don't touch your vagina. Like, just use the proper names. Just use the proper names. Yeah, that's just, like, hard to explain, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think you can talk about it through the lens of, like, special body parts, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, I think the language of private parts is a really good language, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's, like, there's, a, there's, like, we, like, we cover certain parts of our body, not because they're bad, but because they're good. There's certain parts of our body that are not meant for everyone to see, right? There's certain words that we don't need to say in public all the time, you know? There's certain parts of our bodies that, that um, that only mommy and daddy get to see, or like, or you get to see, you know, like um, honing in, on, honing in on that language. And this is a great thing for you guys to discuss as a couple, like honing in on the language of private parts. Like, what does that mean? You know, um, does that does that kind of get at? It? Yeah. So when it, when it comes to like some of the like back to that whole idea of awe and wonder, right? Um, to inculcate a sense of like, this part of your body is amazing. And like, like the whole thing, like you're asking, like, do we call them balls or testicles? Like testicles. I'd say like, you have testicles and your testicles are amazing. And you know what they do? They make, one day they're going to make seeds. That's amazing, right? Like to inculcate that sense of awe, like my body's amazing. My body makes seeds? Holy cow, right? For your little girls, like, your body is amazing. Inside your body, there's these things that make eggs. Your body's amazing. That's incredible, right? Your body makes eggs, right? And at a certain point along the way, and again, it's individualized and different for every kid. There's going to come a time where they're going to be asking those questions of how those two go together, right? Um, I, I have uh, friends who, who um, their second grade son... He's really smart. He's really advanced. Um, and he's got a bunch of younger siblings, both boys and girls. And his own curiosity, like, he just was very tuned into the sexual difference. And he, mom's pregnant again with another baby, and he's just trying to figure out how all this works. And he's asking a lot of pointed questions. And they came to me asking, like, what, what do we tell him? I'm like, well, you tell him what sex is. Like, and you have to realize, for him, there is no connotation of shame or weirdness about this you've been teaching him about the water cycle you've been teaching about how many toes he has how to count his abcs how to pour his milk into his cereal like you've been teaching him all these other things about the world about his body and there's nothing awkward or shameful about that just teach him this as if there's nothing awkward or shameful about it because guess what there's actually nothing awkward or shameful about this so when the time comes to actually like explain sex to your kids you have to actually explain it say like sex is when a man puts his penis a husband puts his penis into a woman's vagina his wife's vagina and god can create a baby through that 
And then you have to add this too, because this is part of it. And it's meant to, it's meant to, and it feels good for both the man and the woman. That might sound weird to add that last piece, but like, you, like, that's what it is, right? Like, in the same way, like, like, in the same way that we eat food that we like because it tastes good, the same way that, like, we like back rubs because they feel good, like, sex is meant to feel good. Like, and this is important, like, it's important because it's the truth. It's important because it's the truth, because related to this is, is covering the topic of like of arousal, like things arouse the body. And we'll get to this in a second. But like, if again, if you have not worked through your discomfort in this, your, your awkwardness, your woundedness, your kids are just going to pick it up, right? Your kids are just going to pick it up. Like, certainly there's, there's a veil that needs to be maintained, a veil that, like, like, you don't have to go into all this intense detail, but you can simply explain what it is. And it, like, in the same way that, like, eating food and digesting and you've got hands and toes and feet, like, is not awkward, explaining, like, this body, like what this body part is for and what it does one day, like, like, that's just, that's a normal, healthy way to talk about it. It's just a normal, healthy way to talk about it. Related to all of this is, is the issue of pornography. Um, so, obviously, on the one hand, do absolutely everything you can to protect your kids from it, you know. Um, just don't have... Don't give them cell phones. Don't have devices. You got to have web filtering software on everything. And like, and again, this comes back to you got to deal with your junk. So like, and this is not just a guy's issue. So like, if this is still a thing that's getting into your home through you, it will get to your kid. It just will. Um, It's a multi-trillion dollar industry like grossing more than every major league franchise combined like 70% of the internet traffic on on certain times of the day is porn like the average age of first exposure now just goes down and down and down it's down to like 9 right now okay they are looking for your kids because they're looking for um future potential addicts that's what they're looking for um so you have to do everything in your power to protect them from it, but you also have to realize you are going to fail. One, because they are already living, like you said, in the most hypersexualized world that has ever had been. Just walking down the street, they're going to see more skin. They're walking down the grocery aisle in the magazines by the candy, eye level to kids. They're going to see like hypersexualized imagery. They're just going to see it. So it's not a matter of like, if our kids are exposed to pornography, it's a matter of when your kid is exposed to pornography. Have you prepared them for that? You have to prepare them for that. You have to talk to them about the fact that porn exists, that it's a thing that's out there. Like, and what is it? It's pictures or videos of naked men and women. Pictures and videos of naked men and women. You have to tell them these two things too, that... When you see it, if you see, if and when you see it, like you'll feel two things. You'll feel attraction and you'll feel fear. Like that's what it's going to arouse in the mind and the heart of a child is attraction and fear. Why? Because one, like there's nothing more beautiful than the human body. There's nothing more beautiful than the naked human form. We're meant to like, we're meant to be like, whoa, to that, Right millions of years of evolution, number one, but two, just like the way that God has designed us, right? No one gets addicted to looking at waterfalls online, as beautiful as waterfalls are, okay? It's just true. If there are, that's weird people. <laughs> yeah, sorry if that's you. Um, 
But like we are meant to be aroused by the naked human body. So like attraction and fear, because it's like there's something about this that there's just something about this that I know is wrong. So you have to speak into that. Like if you see this, when you see this, you're going to feel these things. And when you see it, like it doesn't mean you're bad. You ha- like we want you to talk to mommy and daddy about this. Right. You have to talk to us about this. Like you have to explain like God made our bodies to respond to beauty and goodness. And, and you, this doesn't have to be this. You don't have to begin this conversation by talking about sexuality. Like begin this conversation like like in the presence of beautiful things. I, I wanted to show you guys this video. I meant to, to save it. But there's this awesome video that I saw a while ago. <clears throat> of this dad who had his, uh, he had his like, I don't know, little boy or little girl, but in one of those shoulder kind of carriers, he was sitting on the, the dad's shoulders and they were sitting in front of, standing in front of this majestic waterfall and the spray was coming, right? And like the baby's face was just filled with like this, like, <gasps> like, like, I just, like, I can't even believe this, right? Right? So, like, in the presence of beauty, in the presence of, like, goodness, what God has made, our bodies are meant to respond. So, like, in the presence of a gorgeous sunset, to ask the question, like, what do you feel in your body right now? Right? Eating an amazing meal, right? Or, like, eating food that they love. What do you feel in your body right now? Um, on a bir- at a birthday, when the kids received gifts that they love, what do you feel in your body right now? That's an important question to ask because our, we are not souls trapped in body. Like our bodies and souls are these integrated units. What do you feel? What do you feel in your body connecting to connecting in them? This whole experience of beauty with like, it does something to me. It does something to me because if, if the conversation is like, okay, so like you catch your kid watching porn, they're, you know, nine years old and you, you, you have a heavy handed conversation with them. Like, this is like, this is bad. Like you're meant to look at women with great reverence and awe. You're not to look at them as objects. And like your son is thinking like, oh, like, okay. Like I, there was something that was attractive about it. My body responded like this was exciting. I, I it felt good, but you're telling me it's bad. It's just going to create shame and confusion and fear. And honestly, probably further propagate an addiction. So you have to, you have to speak into the arousal piece because that's how God made our bodies. Um, And the last thing, this is the last practical thing that I'm going to end it. I'm going to get more wine and then we're going to wrap up with conversation. Um, Is you, I, I really want you to really begin to notice the things that excite your kids' hearts, that make your kids' hearts burn fill your kids hearts with excitement you know this is one of the biggest missing pieces of of evangelization that we have failed to connect eros with the gospel right so like is it is it trains is it paw patrol is it chicken nuggets right like what is it that are that excites your kid like we have you have to begin tutoring them to, to, to notice the Emmaus experience, right? So the road to Emmaus, the disciples are walking with Jesus, but they don't know it's Jesus and their hearts are burning within them, right? Okay, they get to Emmaus, they realize it's him. Were not our hearts burning when he walked with us? Like the sign and symptom that Jesus is there with you is a burning heart, Right? Okay, so if you are not the ones connecting your kids' burning hearts with Jesus, no one's going to get them to realize, they're never going to realize that Jesus is the thing that your heart is most burning for. Like the stuff in life that gets you most excited, that has its fulfillment in Jesus. You have to build those bridges. But like to connect arrows, to connect the heart with Jesus, you have to do that. You have to do that. What's that? <laughs> I'm talking about your kid's heart, not your heart right now. Give me a Yeah. The last thing I was going to say was, is you can incorporate theology of the body into like your, your family prayers, you know? So like with you guys, we were just doing the nightly prayers before you put the kids down, but like to have it be, um, 
you know, you can do it in your own words, but like part of the prayer can be, um, you know, dad leads like God, thank like, thank you so much, God, for creating mommy as a woman so that she could be, a, so that she could be Thomas's mommy and Casey's mommy. Thank you so much, God, for creating daddy as a man so that he could be Thomas's daddy and Casey's daddy. And God, we pray for Thomas and Casey right now that you would protect their hearts, that you would fill them with like your love. And we pray that um, we pray for Thomas that maybe one day when he's older and like he wants to be a daddy, Lord, and prepare him to be a good daddy, prepare Casey to be a good mommy. Maybe you're calling him to be a priest, prepare him to be a good priest, a good father, prepare Casey to be a good spouse, like a religious, you know what I mean? Like in corp, like that could be part of your prayer. To get them to be like, just to hear that language, right? Um, okay, basta. That's enough. So uh, I'm going to get more wine and we can just share some final thoughts. How's that sound?